What was that mouse's name again? Yeah, so you did retain it, huh? Oh, I heard it three times. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's gonna be a hard. It's gonna be a hard message to follow, but we'll have a message today about being busy. Are you ready to talk about being busy? She was talking about how we've been busy all weekend. In fact, we do live pretty busy lives, but we've been remodeling our house. We bought another house. We'll hopefully try to get it maybe sometime late this month or in February, and then maybe start thinking about moving. But it's made for a busy time for us as we've been making all preparations to sell the house, get it remodeled before we sell it, all these different things we've been trying to do. So I've been thinking a lot about busyness, and we are very busy people. So I have a question then for us to start off today considering on the message you have about busyness, and that is this. Or questions. Are you a busy person? Do you think of yourself as always busy? Do you like to be busy? I mean, the fact is, if you do research, you find that Americans are among the busiest people in the world. But is that a good thing? To be labeled some of the busiest people in the world, is, is that a really a good thing? To be constantly busy. Some of the research I found said this, that a certain amount of busyness is better than idleness. Greater busyness is associated with better processing speed, working memory, episodic memory reasoning, and crystallized knowledge. However, being so busy that you are unable to practice self-care, spending time with loved ones, and enjoy your free time can have a harmful effect on your overall well-being. So again, our question, are you a busy person? Do you think of yourself as always busy? And do you like being busy? As I mentioned, Sheila and I have been pretty busy, and people often call me a very busy person, and honestly, I do like to keep busy. I mean, idleness, doing nothing, gets on my nerves. I can't stand not being busy. I can't stand not doing something. So many of you know that through the week, and I drive a bus for North Gibson School Corporation. And upon occasion, multiple times, I have shared with you illustrations, sometimes funny illustrations, that happen on the bus from driving kids back and forth to school. But driving the bus only consumes part of my day. Between the morning taking kids to school and the afternoon taking them back home, I work in the midday for the food service department of the school which includes things like restocking the inventory, delivering meals to all the other schools because the school's meals are made at the middle school kitchen, and then staying at the primary school, which serves kindergarten through second grade, their meals. And while that may not seem like a lot, the people wonder what I do during the day when I'm not driving, it actually is quite a lot, and it keeps me very busy. But the busiest days by far, which I rather enjoy, honestly, is Monday and Thursday, because that is the day we get our delivery of trucks that come in with the items we need for a particular week. And upon those particular days, it is not uncommon for me to go in at 5 o'clock and stay later in the day until the route is done until 4.15. So I have, on Mondays and Thursdays, it's over an 11-hour day that I'm working. Now, add to that, that I normally get up at 3 o'clock also just to kind of work on the study for Wednesday or the message for today. So, the thing is, I stay pretty busy. But I love it. I love staying that busy. So, is that too busy? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. 
And maybe or maybe not. I guess it kind of depends on your perspective. Because I rationalize in my mind as I stay busy doing different things and just love doing this. I rationalize in my mind that I'm not near as busy as I used to be when I was a plant manager working for Tyson Foods. I'm actually less busy now than then. But we just have very busy lives, not just me, all of us. In our lives, we're very busy. And the fact is that cell phones have actually made us busier people. With cell phones, it seems you can never get away from work, or anything really for that matter, which makes you and me and all society very busy people. So as we think about all that, maybe here's now the question we need to ask ourselves, have we allowed technology have we just job satisfaction and other things in life? Have we just allowed it to be where we are too busy? And as you think about that question, the answer should be something like this. As somehow we have prioritized things without God or not made time for God, or if God is neglected, then yes, we are too busy. So yes, today's message is about business. And I want us to reflect upon a typical day in our lives and just analyze it for just a moment and ask ourselves, well, how are we spending that particular day? Are we keeping ourselves pretty busy? Are we making some time today for God and for people we love? Or are we just wasting it away on busy, 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 busy? Because what we need to realize, what we'll learn today, what we already know, what we're reminded of, is the fact that Jesus was never too busy for you and for me. To help us learn that and see that today, we're going to look in Mark. In chapter 1, we're going to look at the episode, not just one today, but other episodes also in Matthew, in which you find that Jesus is making time for people. We're going to look in the Gospel of Mark in the very first chapter. We're going to leap towards the end of verse 35, then read through the end of the chapter, verse 45. Stand with me this morning as we simply stand to honor the reading of the Word as we mentioned each week. And we're going to start again in the Gospel of Mark in the first chapter, towards the very end of the chapter, leap down with me to verse 35, and we will read then through the end of the chapter as we have the reading today. It says in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he, that's Jesus, okay, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he, Jesus, said to them, Oh, let us go on to the next towns that I might preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, preaching in the synagogue and casting out demons. Continue the story, verse 40. And a leper came to him imploring him. Again, this is Jesus. The leper came to Jesus, kneeling, and said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and said to him away at once, and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone. But go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it, and to spread the news. 
so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but it was out in desolate places. And people were coming to him from every quarter, as in everywhere. Father, let me take a moment to reflect upon the text that we have for reading today and see how Jesus was never too busy for anyone. As we think about, Lord, how Jesus was never too busy for anyone, let us also then begin to reflect upon our lives and how we most likely are busy people and how we then need to make sure we make time for Jesus as he always makes time for us. So pray now, Lord, that the message would move us to remove busyness in our life and just allow us then to make time for what is important. Certainly, Jesus is important. Let us prioritize him first today. In your name we pray. Amen. Jumping into the first chapter of Mark, you're going to maybe see something just a little bit different. As compared to the other Gospels, especially maybe Matthew and Luke, we see that Mark's Gospel is written a little bit differently because Matthew and Luke, in the beginning of their Gospel, if we just look at there for just a moment, they immediately jump into recording the birth of Jesus. I mean, there's nothing. If you get into the Gospel of Mark, I mean, we just land in the first chapter, and you go back and look at the very beginning, you're going to find there's nothing really written in the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark in which you find anything mentioned about Mary. There's nothing about the virgin birth. There's not a manger in Bethlehem. There's nothing about the Magi. Nothing we've read ultimately on our Christmas Eve service. It's not in there. I mean, and read from the Gospel of Mark. On Christmas Eve, I read from Matthew and Luke. But what Mark does, and maybe a little different perspective here, is that he doesn't go that avenue, he doesn't go that route. He leaps into a mentioning of John the Baptist preparing the way for Jesus. Look at the very beginning of the chapter. Of course, it says John the Baptist preparing the way. Look in verse 2. It's written Isaiah the prophet. Mark makes this fact known very early. He said, I send my messenger before your face. Who will prepare your way? The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And he immediately leaps into talking about John the Baptist being the way, preparing for the coming of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But notably, when Mark does that, he quickly then follows, if you look through your text there a little bit in your Bible, you have it open, notice how he goes into the baptism of Jesus and then the temptations of Jesus. And then in verse 14, he gets into Jesus' ministry. And then he gets into calling the disciples soon after that. But notice how he emphasizes things differently than Matthew and Luke. And how he begins to really talk about the ministry of Jesus. Of course, the ministry really being about how he, Jesus, has willingness to preach and teach and serve and heal people's various infirmities. And all those things Mark leaps into and begins the first chapter of his gospel. He says, okay, well, what does all that mean? Well, to me, it simply means that Mark has, has a different perspective for the reader. And if you're an astute reader, you quickly kind of discern that he wants to make sure then that we begin to see, as he's just telling us today, that Jesus was never too busy for anyone. I mean, Mark approaches from a different perspective and for a different reader. But I quickly see then that he wants also to make sure we know that Jesus was never too busy for anyone. 
So go back and look at the text and note from the very beginning of our reading today. I mean, there's an occurrence about how Jesus makes time when he is seeking to go to a desolate place. Mark records, it's very early in the morning, look in verse 35. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, that's about when I get up, and maybe many of you do too, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. So he's communicating, he's in the desolate place by himself. All of a sudden, verse 36 comes in, and Simon Peter, when those who were with him, not just himself, searched for Jesus, and they found him. And they said to Jesus, everyone is looking for you. Okay, so think about this, what's happening for a moment. As, as Mark begins to explain to us what's happening at the beginning of our text today that we're reading, think about it for a minute. Because if you're like me, when you speak, when you seek some time alone, or withdraw from your busy schedules you have in life, just to get a little bit of a breather, the last thing you want when you get a moment to be by yourself and to escape from all the different things happening in the world, when you get by yourself, the last thing you want is someone interrupting you. And when it happens, and someone interrupts you, when you've removed yourself from all the busyness, is it can get a little cranky or bitter or frustrated. In fact, you might even think to yourself or just say out loud, can I not just get one minute? By myself? That's how we would react. I mean, it's how I would react at times. But according to the text, Jesus doesn't appear at all to be agitated. Look at verse 38. When, when, when Simon and those with him said, everyone is looking for you, what does Jesus do? He said, well, let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also. For this is why I came out. And then he went through all Galilee, Preaching in the synagogue, casting out demons. It's like he just tells Peter, okay, Peter, you found me, let's go. He's not agitated. He don't seem to be frustrated. I can't see that in the text, which is truly remarkable. But let me just add this as well. Because this happens to Jesus constantly. It's not just once in his ministry that he is interrupted. It happens quite frequently. And each time, he does not complain. I mean, a pattern develops is truly extraordinary. He desires to be alone, withdrawing from the crowds. He's going to this desolate place. But yet his disciples or someone or a gathering of people find him, and he just gets up and goes, not expressing any frustration about the fact that he was interrupted. Now, to help illustrate that, let us consider a couple other counts to prove it's not just within Mark that he finds he's being in a desolate place, being interrupted, and just goes. Because we find it quite often, as I mentioned. The first account to maybe consider in which Jesus is going about his life, he's maybe going to a desolate place, is in Mark, Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus questioned by the Pharisees about the Sabbath. It's a day of rest, right? But notice how Jesus makes his case about being Lord of the Sabbath. And notice what happens next then. Matthew 12, we're going to pick up the story, verse 9. Matthew 12, verse 9, he, as Jesus, went on from there and entered the synagogue. 
and a man was there with a withered hand. And they asked him, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. Of course, the Pharisees had Jesus trying to trick up Jesus. But Jesus said to them, Which of you has a sheep? If it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will not take hold of it and lift it out. Of how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, the man with the withered hand, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out, and it was restored, healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him and how to destroy Jesus. Jesus, being aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and he healed them all. Notice in this particular text in Matthew 12 that Jesus, even on the Sabbath, the day designated as rest, he still made time for people. He withdraws from the threat of death. Even though the Pharisees wanted to destroy him, Jesus still made time for healing and teaching. That's just one. Let's look at another. Matthew 14. The beginning of the chapter, Matthew 14. Because at that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the fame of Jesus. And he said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had been saying to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And though he wanted to put him to death, he feared the people because they held him to be a prophet. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on the platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on the platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. His disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now here comes verse 13. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Here again, Jesus withdrew from the crowds. He wanted some alone time, which is understandable. I mean, we just have, we just read in Matthew 14 how he just lost a great friend of his, even some say his cousin. So he wanted some alone time. When my father died, the very first thing I did the next day is, he died on December 5th of 2003, and it was cold, like a day like today. And I immediately left the house. It was at mom's house. I immediately left the house, went to where I deer hunt, climbed up in his deer stand, by myself, and sat there and cried. So it's understandable. I mean, Jesus just lost John the Baptist, man who prepared the way for Jesus, according to the way Mark starts his gospel. Jesus' friend, his cousin, he just lost him. So isn't it understandable how he would want some alone time? But once again, we find he's interrupted. And again, he didn't seem to be irritated. He simply began to teach, preach, and heal. The point is this. 
Jesus was never too busy for anyone. He always made time for people. We see that repeatedly through the Gospels. He was never too busy for you, for me, for anyone. So with that observation, it prompts maybe a new set of questions like this. Where do we get the idea that we need to be busy? Or that busyness is a good thing? I mean, is it just simply ingrained in our American society that we have to be busy? Stephen Covey comments on the unreal expectations of busyness in our lives. He writes a book called First Things First. He says this, People expect us to be busy, overworked. It become a status symbol in our society. If we're busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're embarrassed to admit it. Busyness is where we get our security. It's validating, popular, and pleasing. It's also a good excuse for not dealing with the first things in our lives. Well, I like that comment from Covey because I think it makes a great point and observation. I mean, I mean, there are many people like me, who just like to make themselves busy. And honestly, I know other people who just pretend to be busy and respond, I don't have time. And they, and they insist then that on their to-do list is just so incredibly important that they just can't have time to get it all done. I mean, it may be true. It may not be true. But they just tell you that. They're way too busy. They will tell you that I'm too busy if you get on to them at work about checking the email, I'm too busy to check my email. Or I'm too busy to help my neighbor with the yard work. Or I'm too busy to help the neighbor with his car repairs. Or I'm too busy to share the gospel. I'm even too busy, they may tell you, to give my wife a hand at the house. There's just so much for me to do. I, I can't help take the trash out. I can't help do the dishes. I can't make the bed. I'm just too busy. That's not me, by the way. I am busy, but I do help when I can. But they're just making excuses all the time. I've got a meeting. I've got to check Facebook or Twitter or TikTok or Snapchat. Uh, Snapchat. All these different things. I don't do it, so I don't call it. You like that? Snapchat, not Snapchat. Okay. I just let you know I'm terribly important. I'm just so important. I'm just so busy. So it seems then that people just want to make others know how incredibly busy they are. So Covey is right. It just seems to validate this. We just make sure people know we're busy. We're busy lives. We're busy doing this. We just seem to make sure that everybody knows so we're validated. We're successful that way. We like to make sure people know we're busy. Even we're not busy. But then there's Jesus. As we just read in Matthew 14 about John the Baptist, when his cousin, his friend, had just been beheaded, Jesus tried to go to a lonely place to mourn. But the crowd's beating there. So what does he do? Well, he ministered to them. He helped them. He healed their sick. He served them dinner because that goes on to the feeding of 5,000. Go back and read Matthew 14. After that happened, the crowd is there. It's been a long day. They have the fish and the bread. He does the miracle of feeding 5,000. So he, he healed their sick. 
he fed them, and then later, only much later, did he ever get a chance to be alone. In our featured text of Mark chapter 1, we've been reading, it demonstrates again he's never too busy. We desired to be alone, to be read, praying. Peter sought him out to let him know that everyone was looking for him, right? And he did not respond, Jesus did not respond irritably at all. Now perhaps that seems like no big deal. I mean, maybe this is Jesus' character. But it is a big deal. I mean, think about the meeting that Peter broke up when he interrupted Jesus. It is God and Jesus talking. What could possibly be more important than that? I mean, when God and his son are talking, it is much more important than any conference call we could ever imagine or any international summit. I mean, incredibly, remarkably, two people, two persons, whose job it is to create and maintain the universe, God and Jesus are consulting with one another. And they just don't seem to mind, according to the text, that Simon Peter breaks in with information that he is convinced is important. It's just highly unlikely that if it had been you and me, we probably reacted much differently. I know certainly I would have. Maybe an outburst. Like, leave me alone. It's quiet time for me. I'm removed from you. Can't you see that? Or just give me a minute. I'm talking to God. Well, don't we do that? Don't we really dislike being interrupted? Have you ever been in a conversation with someone? I mean, you're talking about whatever the situation may be. You're talking with someone. And as you're talking with them, your child or a grandchild comes up. And they interrupt your conversation with something they think is incredibly important. It happens. And when it happens, we get frustrated at times or irritable because we hate being interrupted. But Jesus doesn't react like we do. He doesn't seem to be irritable when he's interrupted. When he goes to a place alone by himself, away from people, he don't seem to mind to be found. He don't react like we do. So why, why would Jesus not react in the way that we do? Well, first of all, he's Jesus. But secondly, because Jesus was never too busy for anyone. How are you and me? We're busy people. And because we're busy people, we begin then to not only want to not be interrupted, but begin to prioritize what is important. We're busy, 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 busy people. And because we're so busy, we have to prioritize what things are important and what things we get done. I was thinking about that all the last week. And here's what I began to think about. That I sure hope that we, through our busy schedules, we really, not just us, but all society, that we have not lowered the position of importance of Jesus. But I'm afraid we have. I'm afraid society has made Jesus less important because they're always busy. I found new research from George Barna in the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. They showed that younger Americans 
are deeply ambivalent about religious faith and attach little importance to the practices and truth of Christianity compared to generations before them. The report said this, Gone are the days when Americans proudly proclaimed themselves to be people of faith, whose values and lifestyles are built upon the bedrock of biblical principles. And so today, it appears the younger generation place far less importance on church-based religious activity in their lives than previous generations. Concern about the afterlife has been replaced by an emphasis on living in the moment and making the most of the present life. Now, I read that, and I think that you can interpret less importance on practices and truths of Christianity and living in the moment as just they want to be busy people. Or simply that priorities of a people in America have significantly changed. They've greatly changed. And it, it just seems to be as common, if you will, as the flu. I mean, it just changes that quickly and it's just become acceptable. And like RSV, COVID flu, is just all too common. In fact, I should actually admit that I'm not immune to it. None of us are immune to it. The busyness Result in prioritizing. I'm always making the list of to do things that prioritize some things over others. It gets changed a lot when Sheila tells me to do this. And so what she wants, it gets put to the top of the page. But we're always prioritizing things because we're busy people. I actually at times have in my pocket or in my wallet a list of to do things and it's constantly changing based upon the busyness I have in my life. And you may be like me. We just make a list of things that have to get done and when it doesn't get done or something interrupts it, we make a new list or prioritize things again differently. It's just what we do because we're so busy. Now, it gets even worse for younger parents or parents with younger children. It gets really difficult. I've been there, done that. Because as younger parents who have younger children, of course, they want the course, and it's the right thing. They want their children to be involved in all kinds of extracurricular activities. I mean, I admire that. I mean, to have your children or your grandchildren to want to be involved in other things, to expose them to other things, is a great thing. Because who wants the child sitting in a room all day alone playing Xbox? I mean, we want the children to get out, be exposed to different things, so we involve them in things like sports, soccer, baseball, or dance and cheer, or band, or whatever it may be. They're exposed to groups which helps them later in life. It's the right thing to do for younger parents to do for the children. Again, they do not need to be in their room all day playing video games in isolation. That's what they need to look. But as then... We see that happening. The younger parents, younger parents with younger children, begin to have all that busyness in their lives of all these different things that children are exposed to. We cannot allow that then to control our lives and become a priority. We must not allow them to make us or our family too busy because that can begin to happen. Where all these things begin to rule and it makes a very busy schedule even worse because now we're going here there and everywhere not making time for the things that's important I didn't know exactly how to word this and say this so I found a comment I'm going to read these a lengthy comment so bear with me 
because I think it says the right thing about extracurricular activities dominating our time, making us too busy. It says, in our supersonic postmodern society, known for its busyness and its increasing ability to deliver instantly, we find ourselves hurried more than our ancestors ever could have imagined. We've come a long day from the horse and buggy, Dan. We've come a long way from the horse and buggy days. And because of that, our 24 hours a day seem more and more restricted. We never feel like we have enough time to accomplish everything we want or need to do. And the clock keeps ticking. Amid maintaining a 1,500-calorie diet, picking up the kids from soccer practice, and keeping our car insurance current, we can somehow lose touch with what is really important. We become like robots, rapidly moving from one task to the next. We are overworked, overstressed, and spiritually undernourished. Our culture promotes bigger and better and subtly challenges us to keep up with it. I thought that's the right way to word that. I, I can't word it any better. So I just copied the entire comment. But then the point was made when the rhetorical question is asked, as it continues, who made these rules anyway? Satan loves to keep us running in circles trying to beat the clock. If he can distract us, he can minimize our usefulness to the kingdom of God. Satan may be the prince of darkness, but he's also the duke of distraction. Now that's a long comment, but I copied it exactly, put my notes and in the PowerPoint so you can see so much that it's Satan. It's so true. I mean, doesn't a busy life distract us from God? I mean, it's the whole point we're trying to make today. That if we get too busy, we don't prioritize things right. And maybe God gets left out. So busy life can distract us from God. And the busy life then just kind of is fueled by Satan. And Satan loves it. Absolutely, positively loves it. When we become too busy for Jesus. And lower him on the priority list. Being busy is an American way of life. They may be fortunate or unfortunate. But as Christians, we cannot allow ourselves to be swept away in the undercurrent of the culture. I think of Romans 12, too, which says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is, is good, pleasing, and perfect will. I mean, God's will is not for you and for me to become so busy that we seldom make time to read and study his word or to fellowship with other believers or to communicate with him in prayer. His will is not that we don't make time for that. His will is that we do make time for that. So here we are then on January 7th. I said this is the first Sunday in the new year. Last Sunday we were here, it was the last Sunday of old year. So seven days, we're into seven days of this new year. So if you're like me, and the message is speaking to me, honestly, you find yourself so busy, maybe it's time we make a change because it's not too late seven days into the year to make a change. Make a change to be less busy, to prioritize things right, and always make time for Jesus and back. 
put him first. Because Jesus was never too busy for anyone. Jesus gave us a great example of the consequence of busyness. It's written in Luke chapter 10. You heard the account before pertaining to Martha and Mary, verses 38 through 42. It said, as Jesus and disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Now, if we're honest, most of us look upon that account, we've heard it before, we recognize that most of the time, maybe not all the time, but most of the time, we resemble Martha more than Mary. We rush around doing various things, what we say needs to be done, while missing the glimpses of Jesus in our lives and all around us. So what that means then, as difficult as it is, even for me and for all of us, as difficult as it is, and contrary really to our American culture, we must intentionally make an effort to slow down and model Mary. Because as Jesus just said himself, Mary has chosen what is better and will not be taken away from her. Which means this, which may be the hardest thing to do. We must be intentional about making time to rest in Jesus. Let the phone ring. The chores, they can wait a little bit longer. The social media could use a break. We don't have to check it constantly. Those things are not eternal. Jesus is eternal. So then let us make an effort, myself included, all of us together, let us make an effort to sit at the feet of Jesus and enjoy him rather than miss him like Martha did when she was all focused and fussing about the dishes and the cleaning and the preparation. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, calling him while he was near. Again, this message is for me as much as it is for you. And it tells us all that we must slow down. Don't make yourself too busy. Enjoy life. But enjoy Jesus first. After all, as we've said several times now, Jesus was never too busy for anyone. You can see I'm packing up. So I'm going to leave you this one last slide, and Isaac's going to bring it up. You're going to see it's a picture. Look at the picture with me. Look especially at the right-hand side of the picture. You're going to see the most popular method of communication between people today is text. Everybody loves to text. If you don't text, well, you're among the few because text is by far the most popular means of conversation. So Jesus, as you see, has got himself a cell phone, right? It's on the right-hand side. You see his name up there. So notice then that Jesus is trying to make a conversation with you. He simply starts off by saying, hey, you get the text. He responds soon after. What's up, Jesus? Jesus says, hey, we need to talk. Your response back to Jesus may be, or you see that you told him, well, can it wait? 
I'm kind of busy. Then Jesus says to you, well, that's the problem. You seem to be too busy for me. And you tell Jesus then, try to make it right, hey, I'll make it up to you maybe tomorrow. That's the way it is. But here's the thing we must realize. What if tomorrow never comes? What if tomorrow doesn't come? Jesus was trying to get your attention. He got the phone. He, if Jesus suddenly got the iPhone. He's trying to get your attention. And you say, Jesus, I'm just too busy. I'll make it up to you tomorrow. But even if you have tomorrow, do you? As it says, Jesus is ready to talk to you. And we should make time for him today. But not just today, but every day. Make time for Jesus. Don't be too busy to exclude Jesus into your life. But Jesus was never too busy for anyone. Father, Lord, we thank you for this message today of how it kind of helps us as we're seven days into the new year to maybe put things in perspective. And how, like me and all of us, we... Our society just is busy. It's kind of ingrained, Lord, from early part of life that we just become busy people. And even as we've lived life to the adult stage and as technology has advanced, it gets harder to get away from things, to be alone, and to not be busy. But today, Lord, we all want to change and maybe in a way recommit our lives to you and make you first and just help us become less busy. Help us, Lord, make that intentional effort to slow down and just to put you first. Let us put you first, Lord, as a priority. Because you certainly made us a you're never too busy for us, which we can be very, very thankful. The day, Lord, we submit ourselves to you as that you help us put you first and be less busy. We love you, praise you. In Jesus' name we pray.